morning, Thrive Church. How's everybody doing this morning? Excited to be here in church. I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, if you are a guest this morning, I want to introduce myself. I'm Sheldon Miles. I'm the lead pastor of this great church. I want to welcome all those in the 715 who are watching us online. We're glad that you are connecting with us this morning. We're starting something a little bit new here, trying to get more of an emphasis, and we're really going to re- push this even more in the next new year. But we want to have uh, every third Sunday have a missions emphasis. Where you, uh, where you just get an idea of what's happening in missions all around the world. I understand this, whether you realize this or not, when you tithe to Thrive Church, a portion of that tithe goes to missionaries all around the world. And this morning, I just, we're, we're going to highlight uh, uh, friends of mine, personal friends of mine, uh, the, the McKinstries. They are in the country of Spain. Just go ahead and check out this video right now. I came for the first time to this city as a college student with a young adult team, and God planted a seed in my heart that brings us to where we are today. When I stand up high on a place like this and see this view, God just really speaks to my heart about the brokenness in this city. God has opened up a door for us to plant an international church that reaches nationals, expats, and foreigners. So we are hoping to reach out into the center city start by connecting with people and building community groups and homes that will ultimately be the seeds uh, that will launch the church. One of my heart's desires is to see people come to the Lord through the Thank you for partnering with us, for the many that have been praying and giving. We would not be here without you. For those of you who would love to join us, you can do so by going to our website, finding the link to give pray. I'm Mark. And I'm Heather. We're the McKinstries, and God has called us to serve the people in Malaga, Spain. Well, that was Mark and Heather McKinstry, and they are just doing a, a phenomenal job. And again, we want to give you updates with what's happening with them. And uh, as they said, they want to start an international church uh, there in the country of Spain, people from all over the world, and uh, they want to connect with them. And they have been starting, uh, I just got an update from them, they have been starting some life groups. That's how they're starting their church, is through life groups and connecting. And those life groups are expanding and growing, and they're doing a phenomenal job, and I just want you to know it's because of churches like Thrive Church that are investing. We are investing our resources into what's happening all around. There's two things that every missionary covets, covets this. They covet your prayer support, because without your prayer support, they cannot do any of this. It's not going to happen. And also, they covet your financial support. And so again, through your giving, through your giving to Thrive Church, a portion of that goes uh, towards McKinstry's. And uh, they've been here before. Also, I just want you to know in the lobby as you leave today, if you want to know more about what's happening in the country of Spain, go ahead and check out uh, that information. So we're going to get into the message this morning on one of my favorite topics in the whole world. I want to talk to you about the church. We've been in a sermon series called uh, Ecclesia here, and there's, there's some kind of funny things about to church, uh, wouldn't it be great if we had if we had the ability to put out signs along the road? Have you ever seen some really funny church signs? Uh, here's a couple of church signs that I found online. Uh, 
Whoever stole our AC units, keep one. It is hot where you're going. <laughs> Some people get creative with them. The next slide. I hate this church. Satan. <laughs> Wouldn't you love it if Satan said that about our church? I think he says that about Thrive Church. What's the next slide here? Uh, acting perfect in church is like dressing up for an x-ray. Is that right, Pastor Edwin? Edwin, he's a, he works with x-rays here. Uh, next slide. Whoever keeps praying for snow, we're impressed. Now pray for world peace, okay? So can I just ask none of you to pray for, for snow? Uh, can we just not, you know, maybe at Christmas time, but let's just kind of take it easy on that. Well, the next slide here. Uh, do you know what hell is? Come hear our preacher. I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not sure what that, next slide, maybe change things up a little bit. Now is a good time to visit. Our pastor is on vacation. I don't, all right, let's get away from these signs here. Let's let, let, get away from this here. You know, there's a lot of misconceptions. We talked about this last week about the church. And what I hope to do in this sermon series is to get us away from those misconceptions and get to the truth of the matter. What is the church all about? What is the purpose? What is its mission? One of the misconceptions, I'm gonna to try to deal with a misconception each week here in this five-part series. One of the misconceptions that I hear is people, maybe they don't always say it, but they just kind of have this vibe that the church exists for me. The church, in other words, not, not for me, but the church exists to meet my needs. And we talked about this last week, but I just want to reiterate that the church is not a place, it's not a building, the church is a people. So once again, if you could help me, if you were here last week, if you could just point at the church right now. Just go ahead and point at the church. There you go. There. I see you pointing at other people. And the person I really want you to point, John, you got it right. I want you to point at yourself. I am the church. Just look at your neighbor and say, I am the church. I am the church. I am Thrive Church. You see, the reality is, this is the reality, we are the church. And we exist for the world. Just let that sink in. You see, God has a plan and a purpose for your life, for you to join with him in this mission of life change. And so we as a church, we exist for the world. Who is the world? The world is those hundreds of people, thousands of people who will drive in front of this building each and every day. That's just an example. But there are other people in your world. So where did this whole idea come from? We talked about this last week in Matthew 16, 18. Jesus is prophesying to his disciples. Jesus has not yet died on the cross. He's not yet left, but he's gathering his disciples and he's prophesying. He's speaking, hey guys, you may not see this, but this is what's gonna happen to you. And he's trying to tell them you are the church. He says, I tell you, that he's talking to Peter and the disciples. Peter, on this rock, I will build my church. This is the first time that the word church is used in the Bible. And he says, and it's gonna be such a powerful force, such a powerful movement of God in the lives of his people, his church, that the gates of Hades will not be able to overcome it. 
This is where the, the word church, the Greek word is ekklesia. Ekklesia, we talked about that last week, the, the title of the sermon series. And an ekklesia is a community of Jesus followers who are called out to live out. Just look at your neighbor and say, I'm called out to live out. I'm called out. I'm called out on a mission to live out a mission for this world. Called out to live out. And so, so we see here very clearly here that Jesus was not referring to a place. He was not referring to a building, but he was referring to a movement of people that would change the world. And even today is still changing the world. Did you know this? There's 2.4 billion Christians and growing today. 2.4 billion. They, they, they've, they've said that there's more people who are hearing the gospel message today than in any time in world's history. And so Jesus is saying, I'm going to build a gathering of people around this idea that Jesus of Nazareth is the Son of God and he's come to save the world. Last week we talked about what the church is. We said that the church is growth minded. He's looking for a church that would be growth-minded. And when you have a growth mindset, we talked about this last week, means that you live, your way, you live your life in such a way so as to pursue wholeheartedly all that God has created you to be and to do. When you have a growth mindset, you're living your life, pursuing with all your heart what God has called you to be and to do in this world. Do you have a growth mindset today? Do you have a growth mindset? And, we, and the way that we have a growth mindset is we put ourselves in position for growth. And that's why, that's why you're continually here, this pastor, pound the table, get into a life group. In fact, we have our strategy on the wall right there. I don't know if you ever noticed those words, connect, grow, and serve. We want to connect people to Jesus, but then we want them to have a growth mindset. We want them to grow in their faith journey, and I'm just absolutely convinced the best place for that to happen is in a life group, and so we, we have many, multiple life groups. I encourage you to check it out online, uh, all the different life groups. I don't know if you know this, men, we have two breakfast opportunities, and all the men said... Amen. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> we have some hungry men in the church. We have two breakfast opportunities. We have a group of men who meet on the third Saturday of the month and then the third Tuesday. We had a group of men that met yesterday, uh, and then we have a group of men who are going to meet on this Tuesday, 6 a.m., uh, and you can check that out online. But again, there's multiple opportunities. One, another opportunity that I'm especially excited about we, our Wednesday night program is called Grow Night, and this is an opportunity for you to come and find a life group. We have youth ministry that's going on upstairs, and then we have children's ministry that's going on in the back here. But I'm ex super excited about this, um, this ministry called Alpha. And Alpha is a video series that we go through, and they just have like a 25-minute video that just deal with today's issues that people are asking questions about. Can I just show you a, a quick video to, to show you what I'm talking about? Every day we ask so many questions. What should I wear? What's the weather gonna be like? How am I gonna fit everything in? 
But then there are those bigger questions, like why am I here? Where am I heading? Is there more to life than this? issue that we humans ever deal with. Is there a God? And I had arrived there without ever really looking at the evidence. And I was supposed to be a scientist. that I thought I wanted. You know, my girlfriend was on the cover of magazines, I had a Beamer, and I was so unhappy. It was a realization maybe that I would, I would never find happiness where I was looking for it. I think for so many years, you know, I always just strived to be strong in myself. All I needed was me and my buddies and you know, would be like invincible. But the truth is, none of us are. And I found purpose, I found meaning, I found hope. God took something so broken and made it a beautiful art piece. Alpha is a place where you can be yourself. You can say what you think and challenge everything. Now, no question is too complex or too simple. And what your point of view is, is as important as anyone else's. We are going on a journey together, an adventure to explore the questions of life, faith, and meaning. Now, this life group is for anybody, anybody and everybody, but in particular, this, this video, this life group is for people who are seekers. They're seeking for answers. Maybe, maybe they've never accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, but maybe they're in your workplace or in your neighborhood, and they always have questions about faith. This would be an awesome opportunity to bring them to this life group. So I just want to encourage you that that is available for you, but in particular, that person in your life. So today I want to talk about what is the church. The church is mission-driven. Did you know that Jesus came and he was on a mission? Jesus was on a mission. His mission is in Luke 19.10. This is not in your notes. But he says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. He was on a mission. What did this look like? Well, well, Jesus' mission, we know that this, that he was the Son of God, and he came down to earth as a man. And so he experienced everything that we here we experience here on earth. Because that's what love does, Right? Love goes, love steps out of our comfort zone and it goes into strange places. We get out of our box and Jesus demonstrated getting out of the box because he was on a mission. And so he spent time with his disciples because he was preparing them for a mission 
that they were going to change the world through the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus demonstrated what love was by dying on the cross, paying the price for our sins, but he did not stay there, but he conquered death, and he rose again, conquering it for all mankind. And then what did he do? After that, we know that he commissioned the church. He commissioned the church. Now, what, what does that mean? If you know your history, we know that in World War II, there was this very significant event, June 6, 1941, where Allied soldiers, 156,000 Allied soldiers, they were commissioned. They were commissioned whether by boat or by plane, by parachute, whatever, there was this one-day mass invasion on the, uh, on the coast of France, and their mission was to win the war. They were to fight back the German forces back into Germany, and their ultimate mission was to win a war. This was not, listen to me, this was not a sightseeing trip, though they did see sights. This was not a camping trip, though they did camp out. And it was not an exploratory trip. This was the main thing. Look at your neighbor and say, this was the main thing. The main thing was to win the war. And that's what, the, that's what the main thing is for the church. We have, a, we have a similar main thing, to win the lost. That is the main thing. Where do we get this idea? Jesus said to his disciples that I was just talking about, Matthew 28, he says, therefore I want you to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of age. I like that last part, that he's with us in this mission, that he gives us all that we need for this mission. You see, we are commissioned. We are co-missioned. You have been given, each and every person, if you are the church, this I'm pointing to the church one more time, help me out here, help me out here. If you are the church, you are commissioned. That person that you're pointing at right now, you are commissioned. Just say, I am commissioned. I am commissioned to go into my world. I'm commissioned to go into all the world. That's why we're, we're saying, hey, every third Sunday, we're gonna make sure we are talking about what we, Thrive Church, are doing in all of the world. Not just here in the 715, but we want you to know what's happening in, in the world. And you are commissioned to go into the 715, into your workplace, into your neighborhood. You're called to go. And what are you called to do? You're called to lead people to follow Jesus. You're called to make disciples, followers of Jesus. Well, what, what is a follower of Jesus? I, I, we used to live in, in Green Bay and De Pere, in the De Pere area, and there's some people who really, really, really get fanatical about this green and gold, this football team in, in Green Bay, Wisconsin. They get really fanatical, and you drive by their houses, and they're painted fences, and I think they just got a lot going on, and they're going to the game. Some of them are even getting dressed. It's not, not to a, in the evening game, but they're getting all dressed up and face painting, and they're getting on the outfit, and they're checking, they're looking in the mirror and make sure they have enough green and gold going on, and they know all the stats. They know all the players because they are all in, because for many of them, this is the main thing for their life. I want to ask you, what is your main thing? Because Jesus gives to us 
the main thing. And he says, this main thing that I've shared with you, your mission is to make the main thing the main thing. Am I beating this horse a little too, too much here? We're on a mission. And that's why we say here at Thrive Church, our mission, we, Thrive Church is co-missioned. It is our mission to lead people in the 715 and beyond to become life-giving followers of Jesus. Is there anybody in this building who is a life-giving follower of Jesus? Give it up for Jesus right now. If you are a life-giving follower of Jesus. So we're on a mission of life change. If we were to just narrow this down, listen to me. This is, you want to clar- I'll clarify the mission. Clarify the mission for me, Pastor. You, our, the mission of this church is for disciples to be disciples who make disciples. To be disciples who make disciples. How does somebody become a life-giving follower of Jesus? What, what, what are we trying to encourage people to do? First thing we want them to do is accept Jesus, connect with Jesus. Accept Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior. That, 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 that coworker, that neighbor that you have these conversations with, that person who's strung out on the drugs, strung out on the alcohol, just strung out on whatever, their biggest need is Jesus. Their biggest need, all of mankind's biggest need is to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. The second thing that we want people to do as they grow in their faith journey, we wanna help them to trust Jesus. To trust, to grow in the knowledge of who he says that he is, that he is alive today, that he has done what he says he had done, and he will do what he says that he would do. We want them to grow into a relationship with Jesus, that they trust him every single day of their lives. And then last of all, we want them to trust him so much that they follow him that they follow Jesus. You see, the more we trust him, the more we connect with him. The more we connect with him, the more we grow. And the more we grow, the more we become like him. Life-giving followers of Jesus. And I want you to know, church, listen to me. I I still feel like I'm fairly new, not even two and a half years since I've been here. But I want you to know this mission drives me. This mission shapes the decisions we make as a church. This mission helps you understand why we do some of the things. I'm sure many of you have had times where you scratch your head, I don't understand what the church is doing. I'll tell you this, if you sit down and talk with me, I'll tell you about our mission. And I might say, I know, it is kind of goofy, but somehow, some way, I really feel like this is part of our mission to reach the 715, to become life-giving followers of Jesus. And, and so this is, and this is how we do the things that we do is because of this mission. So this morning, I wanna briefly talk to you. What does a mission-driven life look like? If you look in 1 Corinthians 9, I, I love, I love, love this passage. The Apostle Paul gives us an incredible example of what it looks like to live the mission-driven life. He gives us four words. Actually, there's gonna be five, but four ideas that describe the mission life. Mission-driven life. Everybody ready? Here we go. Let's go fast on this. First word, intentional. Intentional. The mission-driven life is intentional about what they do. 
It is a group of people. It is a church that's saying, we're going to be intentional. Where I get this idea, Paul says this. He says, he's talking to a a group of of Christ followers, and he's he's kind of having a conversation just like this. The purpose of the church, this is why we do what we do. He's talking about the main thing. He says, even though I'm a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. If you know anything about the Apostle Paul, Paul, the Apostle Paul, he was a wealthy man. He was an influential man. He was a powerful man in the community. And he gave up all of those things to do what? To become a slave to all people, slave to people, to bring many of them to Christ. A slave to all people. A slave is somebody who, who serves for a cause, who serves a, a, a group of people, he, a servant to a cause. He would continually put himself into position for God to work through him, into position. Paul would put himself into position. In other words, he, he says, I'm not gonna hide. I'm not gonna hide in my house. I'm not gonna hide in a church building. I'm not gonna hold back. I, I'm not gonna hold back until I'm smart enough. I'm not gonna wait until the perfect opportunity, right? I'm gonna go into all the world, into all the world. 2006, I, we had just moved from Ohio to De Pere, Wisconsin to be the lead pastor. And God put this idea in my mind to run a marathon, to run a marathon. I, honest to goodness, it was a, a God thing, but to run a marathon for a cause. And I just felt like, right as we left Ohio, we heard about this, this ministry that was uh, helping dig water wells in the country of Africa and the difference that was making it. So they, they would build these water walls and com- wells in communities near church buildings where Christians would be and people would come to those water wells and then these Christians would come out and they would minister to these people in these water wells and it just touched me. You ever had one of those things that just touched you? And so I, and I thought, how can we raise, I, I wanna raise $26,000, how can I do that? Run a marathon, 26.2 miles. One of these days, I'll tell you where that point two came from, and it's very irritating. 26.2 miles. I'm going to run a marathon. That's crazy. 26.2 miles. It's a long way. It's a long run. I don't want to talk about it anymore. So I, pu- I presented the vision to the church. At that time, we were a church of like 60 people. And I said, church, listen, this is what I feel like God's called me to do. I'm gonna run a marathon, and we're gonna raise $26,000 to give to this missions organization. Yay. Like, no, seriously, we're gonna do this. Yay. So what did I do? I was intentional, and I started running, and I started preparing, and lo and behold, I ran my first marathon. But guess what? We only raised like $6,000. And so I could have been like, yay, that's good. And like, Lord said, no, 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 I, I said $26,000. Like, Lord, how am I going to do this? You need to run another marathon. Yeah, yeah. So that's how I got into marathon running. I ran my second marathon. And we had raised $14,000 total. If you do the math, 14 is not the same as 26. 
<laughs> so I really got intentional. I said, Lord, help me here. And that, that third marathon, total, we raised $32,000 for water wells in Africa. I want you to, I'm not, I'm not, I don't say any of this in a braggadocious way. I'm just telling you the power of becoming intentional. I felt like I became a slave to running. Ask Michelle. I became a slave to running to help people in this mission of life change because it was the main thing. So what does a mission-driven life look like? Number one, it's intentional. God may be calling you to intentionally become a slave to something, to this calling. He may call you out of your box. Number two, it's missional. Missional, that's a word used in the early 2000s, but missional means to live on mission. We just watched a video here, Mark and Heather McKinstry, very good friends of ours. Uh, went to college with Mark and, and Heather, uh, and we did ministry things together. Uh, they, were, they were in part of a large church in Milwaukee, and things just going really well, but he could, just couldn't get rid of that calling on his life. And fi- finally, they gave, well, I don't want to say they gave in, but they surrendered their lives to God and said, God, where do you want us to go? And God led them to Spain. They left the comfort of this country. And l- look what he says here. Look what the Apostle Paul says. He says, when, when I, I was, oh, let, me, let me continue here. As McKinstry's, as they've gone to Spain, they go and they learn the language, they learn the culture, and they learn how to connect with people, and they build relationships. That's missional. Learning the language, learn the culture, learn how to connect Build relationships. That's what it means to live on mission. All of us are called to live on mission. How many of you have just went up to somebody, cold called them, and say, all right, I got a question for you. I know you don't know me, but if you were to die today, where you go to heaven or hell? Because you're How many of you, it's not effective. Relationships, relationships. So here's what the Apostle Paul says. This is how he's living out his mission. He says, when I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who followed the Jew, Jewish law, I too, lived, I too lived under the law. Even though I'm not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring to, the, to Christ those who are under the law. When I'm with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. When I'm with those who are weak, I share their weaknesses, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Some of you are like, what in the world did he just talk about? Paul was not talking about compromise. Paul was talking about connection. Paul was not saying, go out and compromise your faith, but I want you to go out and I want you to connect with people. Connect with people. And, and so Paul was doing this in an untraditional way. And, I, and there's so much more I could say about this topic, but he was just being untraditional. Just He was meeting people where he was. He was finding a need and meet them where they are. Find a need and meet them 
where they are. A few years ago, we discovered after the whole uh, pandemic thing that people in the 715 were struggling, going through mental and emotional pain and struggling. And we came up with this idea. What if we could meet people where they are? And so we put together pretty much what you could call an art show. The moving experience. How many of you, you've been through, you've heard about the moving experience. We, we just decided we got to meet people where they are because they're not flooding the doors of this building. How can we somehow meet, help meet a need where they are, where we can speak a common language? And so what it was, it was an untraditional Outreach. We have an idea for this Halloween. It's untraditional. We don't celebrate Halloween, okay? No confusion there. But we thought, how can we meet people where they are? And if you, I know some of you, you participate with Halloween and trick-or-treating. And who are the people who are left out the most? Who are the people who are left out? Come on, parents, speak up. Who are the ones who are left out? Your kids go up to that door and they get bags full of candies and what do you get out of it? Nothing. So we're going to meet the needs of the parents in the 715. And what we're doing this year is we are putting goodie bags together for the parents. We're going to hand them out to you. Why? So that you can meet a need and you can meet them where they are and hopefully develop a relationship out of it. So what does a mission-driven life look like? It's intentional and it's missional. Missional means I'm going to think and live like a missionary. I'm going to think and live like a missionary. Number three, it's relational. Relational. Paul says here, yes, I try to find common ground. Look at your neighbor and say common ground. I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. So as I was in that season of slavery, of marathon running, you know what God did? I thought it was just about to raise $26,000. Season number two, as I'm running, all of a sudden we move into this neighborhood and this older gentleman across the street runs a running club that runs every Saturday morning. So I, why would I want to run alone? So I start running with these group of people and I find out they're kind of like the who's who of Green Bay. One of them is the president of Bellin Hospital, okay? And so... So I'm like, okay, Lord, this is more than raising $26,000. This is, this is an opportunity for me to be missional and for me to build relationships with these runners. And I would get running, and, every, and all of a sudden, you know, everybody, hey, here's the new guy, and say, hey, so what do you do? And I'm like, yeah, well, I'm a pastor. And all of a sudden, they would run a little bit faster, or they'd run a little bit slower. <laughs> like, that's okay. That's okay. I'm going to keep running with you guys. I'm going to keep running. Started running with this one guy, and he asked me what I did, and boy, he could not run any faster to get ahead of me. That's okay. That's okay, because I'm going to learn to run a little bit faster so that I can keep up with you and talk with you. And we did a lot of years of this, and finally he let me run alone with him, and we started talking. I remember one Saturday morning, we were running together, and he's like, okay, okay, I'm with you, I'm with you on that. I just don't, always, I just don't believe that uh, you know, God answers prayer right away like that. You know, I'm not sure that God answers prayer. That was his big argument. That's okay. I'm just telling you what God does. Next week, we're running, 
He goes, okay, so I need to tell you something. I was praying about something. I'm like, you were doing what? <laughs> yeah, I was praying about this situation and I'm wondering if you could pray with me about it. I'm like, I thought we don't believe in prayer. Remember that? One day, as we were running, gives his heart to Jesus. Oh, what a day of, of rejoicing to be able to baptize my friend Sean. Excuse me for this microphone. So God had more of a plan, and it happened through relationship because that's what a mission-driven life is. It's intentional. It's missional. It means I'm, I'm on a mission here. I'm on a mission. I'm going to live and act like a missionary, and it's relational. And last of all, it's all in. It's all in. He says here, I do everything. Everybody say everything. I do everything. I do whatever it takes. I have done everything. I, I'm going to do everything I can because I'm on a mission. I am commissioned for a mission to spread the good news and to share in his blessings. I'm not gonna read this passage here, but 2 Corinthians 11, 23 through 33, what Paul begins to describe what he has been through. He has been through prison. He has been through beatings. He's been through scourgings. He's been through shipwrecks. I mean, you just read it. He's been through a lot. And he's trying to say, I, have I went all in. Remember what I said, Paul didn't have to do this. But when Paul discovered his mission, he didn't go quarter in. He didn't go half in. Paul went all in. Everybody say all in. Paul went all in with this mission. And we're called to go all in with, in our mission. How, how, what does that look like? This is the, quickly here. This is what this looks like. We're called to go all in through your stewardship. Stewardship. A steward, I have a brother named Stuart, but it's different. A steward is one who's been giving someone else's resources to take care of. Do you know that you have been given resources by God to take care of? Every one of this, every person in this room is a steward. Stewards, raise your hand. Raise your hand. You are a steward. Okay. Stewardship is this, to take what's been given to you and invest it to make it better for the benefit of the owner. Not the benefit of yourself, but for the benefit of the owner, for their mission. Let me give you an example here. A few years ago, uh, we met these gentlemen, and we asked them to be our financial advisors, and so each and every month, we give a portion of our finances towards these financial advisors, and they take our finances, and they invest them into our retirement account, okay? And so they, they are stewards. It's not their money. It's our money. But they take it into their hands, and they have been entrusted to be stewards, and so they, there's a couple options here. They say, okay, well, you can, you can have a light investment, but there's no risk, but there's, no, there's very little return. You can do a medium investment, and that's kind of a medium risk, but there's gonna be a medium return. Or you can basically, you can go all in. Now that's high risk. Oh, but the return is out of this world. That's what I hear from Paul. 
Paul said, listen, I'm not going to do this low risk, medium risk thing. I'm going all in. Just envision a church that goes all in on this mission. The impact that we could have in the 715. We are stewards of three resources. And again, all of these three things are God's. They are not yours. Your time. Your time. This time here on earth, from the moment you're born to the moment you're done here on earth. We all know, we all know it's in the hands of God. It's his, okay? So let's confess to that. Our time is God's. Our talents, your smarts, your giftings, your abilities, your skills, all of this. I, I, would, I could never do that, what she's doing right now. I, I, I would be making, if I made a noise, it would be a joyful noise. <laughs> that's, that's all I have. I'm not gifted to do that. What are your giftings? What are your abilities? God has given them to you as a steward to use those giftings. And last of all, God has given you treasure, your resources, your home, your car. I almost want to say it's, it's all God's, but it's, it's the banks. <laughs> but ultimately, it's God's. I'm joking about that. It's all God's. Your checking account, all of that, it's, it's all God's. It's not yours, right? It's, all, it's, it's God's. And so when you tithe, when you tithe, to a church, Thrive Church, wherever you tithe, what you're doing is you are investing into the kingdom of, of what, of, into the kingdom of God. When you give offerings, you are giving above and beyond special projects. We are called to be stewards. We're called to be, to go all in. Everybody say all in. Going all in with our time. With our talents, with our treasures, we're going all in. God wants us to go all in. I want you to envision with me and just kind of squint your eyes with me, okay? We're talking about the church, ecclesia. What does God want that church to look like? What does God want me to look like? Why, why is it that I feel like I don't have purpose or I, have, I don't have significance? Maybe you've not surrendered to the mission God's called you to. Envision a church that's intentional. Envision a church that says, wait a second, I'm called to live the missional life. I'm called to be a missionary. The McKinstries are called to go to Spain. I'm called to the 715. I need to be a missionary. Envision a church that really sees itself as looking for relational opportunities to just do strange things to build relationships with our community. Envision a church that's all in. What would that look like? all in. You're here today and you're saying, Pastor, I, I, I want to live the mission-driven life. 
I wanna be all that God's called me to be. I wanna do what God has called me to do. Will you raise your hand right now? I wanna pray for you right now. I wanna commission you. In Jesus' name, I, I pray for all those hands that are all around this room who are saying, I, I, wanna, I, I, I wanna live up to that commission. I wanna follow the mission. I wanna live the mission-driven life that God has called me to do. And so, Lord, these hands that are raised, I pray for opportunities. I pray that you would, you would put people on their heart and it would just drive them crazy, Lord, until they are just m moving on that mission. I pray all around this room that lives would be changed in and through these ministries. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. I want to pray for those right now. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that is the main thing. You can do that right now. Just say, God, I need you. I recognize that, Lord, all these things in this world... But you are the main thing, and I need the main thing in my life to change me, to rearrange the order of my life, to forgive me of my sins. I'm choosing today to make Jesus the main thing. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.